Welcome in episode 27 of the Print Fest DFS podcast. My name is Justin Rue alongside Scott Bandy. We're here to break down the week two DraftKings main slate. We are coming off week one where we barely snuck by by skin of our teeth, but we made it into week two, uh, surviving advance, and here we are. So week two gives us a ton, a plethora of running back plays in the slate. Decent amount of wide receiver plays, a couple punts over a tight end. Um, man, this slate, it's really tough to decide for these running backs. We're going to get into all of them, but I, I can count 10, 10 running backs that are in play on this slate. It, it's definitely going to be difficult to, uh, to decipher who is the best play, but we're going to try and do just that uh, throughout the next 45 minutes. But starting at quarterback. Yes, this slate is uh... – Starting at quarterback, uh, I think that there's a couple guys up top. So we have Kyler Murray, right? I mean, Kyler Murray up at 8,200 has got to be probably the strongest play on the slate um, from from a raw projection standpoint. Um, It's going to be hard getting away from Kyler taking on Minnesota. You know, they have a 27 and a half implied total. Um, We know how much Kyler runs. He only actually ran for 20 yards last game. but, I mean, he had 34.6 DraftKings points. I mean, he just absolutely shredded Tennessee. Um, it's going to be so hard to get away from Kyler for 8,200. We have Josh Allen. If you drop down 1,000 down to 7,200, I mean, Josh Allen at 7,200, I mean, the Bills this got smoked by Pittsburgh. They just couldn't get anything going at all. Uh, and Josh Allen still, I mean, he hit his floor. He had 18 points. So if you're telling me this guy's floor is 18 points against the hardest defense uh, to match up against the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers, now he gets to take on Miami in probably the fastest-paced game on the slate. Um, and with the 25-and-a-half implied total, we know he runs. He had 44 rushing yards in that game against Pittsburgh, so he's got that rushing floor. He's got a massive ceiling. Um, it, won't, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Josh Allen put up you know, a 40-burger. Um, you know, on Miami, you know, Miami, they blitzed at the second highest rate last season. And then in week one, they blitzed at the second highest rate um, of anyone else in week one and Josh Allen versus the blitz. I mean, he absolutely shredded against the blitz uh, against Miami last year. He ended up having a, uh, a 70% completion percentage and he ended up throwing for 302 yards for an 11.2 yards per attempt against the blitz. So, I mean, if they want to just sit there and blitz him all game, he's just going to absolutely shred. And then the last piece I want to mention here on Josh Allen before I kick it over to you is that in five starts against Miami, Josh Allen's been the QB1, the QB1, the QB2, the QB3, and the QB7. So uh, this guy's just going to absolutely shred. Uh, at 7,200, I think that he offers the same or a similar ceiling to Kyler at $1,000 cheaper. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Josh Allen is just – he's going to be, I think, really popular last week. Oh, he's way too cheap on FanDuel. I can't remember what his price is, but uh, he's essentially locked over there. Um, but, yeah, Josh Allen, the thing with him is I don't see the Bills start having two bad games in a row. You're like, the Steelers' defense is one thing. Miami is something to be scared of. Yeah, they have – you know, Byron Jones and, and Xavier Howard, but I really don't think that matters. You know, 
Dayball is such such a good coordinator, and I just think him and Josh Allen are just gonna they're just gonna go out and completely shred Miami. I mean, you said the stats. You said he's been a QB one, one, two, three. Yeah, like <laughs> that's the thing, man. Like Josh Allen, it doesn't even matter like what he does rushing because he's probably going to go out and shut four touchdowns. But the fact that he gives a little bit of a, of a rushing forward too, like it makes him extremely safe. Like last week he completely laid an egg and I think he still ended up with like 18 uh, fantasy points on DraftKings. So if that's his true floor, like, man, and we know what a ceiling is. We saw a ceiling and shit almost every game last year. So um, yeah, I think Allen's going to be very, very popular and rightfully so. So uh, he's for sure going to be in consideration. Uh, another guy that I'm really, really high on, and I know you are as well, is Dak Prescott at six six eight k. Man, this this game's going to be a lot of fun. I think everyone's going to want a lot of uh, a lot of parts of this game. So it's got the highest combined total on the slate. It opened at fifty two. It's already been bet up to fifty five and a half. Um, that is just major, major line movement. Uh, the Cowboys implied team totals up to twenty six from twenty four and a half, and I guarantee that's probably going to continue climbing. Um, Here's the thing. This Dallas defense is just so, so unspeakably putrid that I literally think we're going to be able to play back in these pass catchers every single week because they're not going to be able to stop anyone. Uh, if you look at, you know, the last four games Dak has played, 58 attempts, 403 yards, three touchdowns, 58 attempts, 502 yards, four touchdowns, 57 attempts, 472 yards, three touchdowns, and 47 attempts, 450 yards, and one touchdown. Like, he's literally forced to just drop back 45, 50, 55 times and just chuck it because this defense is just unspeakable. And, you know, Herbert looked really, really good. This offense as a whole looked really good against the top five defense against Washington last week. Maybe the scoreboard didn't show it, but, man, they looked great. Um, and, you know, I don't see anyone on this Dallas defense is going to stop Herbert and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler and – you know, you name them. So I see this line continuing to be bet up, especially the Cowboys side starting so low at 24 and a half. They're going to keep getting bet up. Um, so I really think that Dak and any pass catcher you want to pair him with, which we'll talk about uh, here in a little while. This is going to be such a fun game. I see no way how this lets us down. Um, so, yeah, your thoughts. Yeah, I, I love Dak in this spot. I mean, they have a 26 implied total. This is a massive – this game is going to absolutely shoot out. Uh, it should be a third fastest-paced game on the slate. You mentioned the total up at 55. The only thing about Dak is that, you know, I don't know how much he's going to be running. I mean, he had 13 rushing yards uh, last week, but objectively, I mean, he you could just look at him. He looked bad uh, running, running, not throwing. He looked great throwing, but he looked kind of slow. Uh, he's probably just a little scared with that leg coming off that gruesome, uh, you know, injury. So I'm not sure how much he's going to give us with his legs. Um, but on the other side, Herbert at 6,700, um, again, he's not going to give us too much with his legs as well. Um, he didn't even have a rushing yard last week. Um, but it, we know Herbert can if he's forced to run, but I don't think he's going to have to. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence is out of this game. Uh, I've got a spreadsheet. Everything is green on the spreadsheet for Justin Herbert. Absolutely everything. Um, this Cowboys defense can't – they just cannot stop anybody. This game is going to absolutely shoot out. Herbert's going to get pressured 
None at all. I mean, he didn't even get pressure. I think he was under pressure, I believe, about 14% of the time against the best pass rush in the NFL with Washington. Now he's going to take on Dallas, who couldn't pressure Tom Brady basically at all. Uh, I mean, I, Justin Herbert's going to be back there just slinging all day long to big Mike Williams and Keaton Allen. Um, this game's going to have fireworks for sure. So either one of these guys are definitely in play. Kyler up top, Josh Allen, if you want to come down a little bit from Kyler. Um, and then Jalen Hurts also is in play at 6,500 at home here against the 49ers. Only a 23 and a half implied total. Um, you know, they are home dogs, but we know rushing matters so much at, at the quarterback position. He ran for 62 yards uh, last, last game. And last year when, we, when he came in, and we mentioned last week, um, he just, he's going to be running. Uh, he's going to run for probably 55, 60 yards in this game. And at 6,500, that right there is enough of a floor and gives you enough of a ceiling if he runs in a touchdown um, where Jalen Hurts can match the ceiling of uh, Kyler Murray. And he's only 6,500. So he gives you a, a really nice discount on Kyler. Um, and you can kind of arbitrage Kyler Murray with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. And I really think this game script um, sets up pretty well for Hertz. So we've been talking about it for years, how, you know, mediocre, and that might be being polite, but how mediocre Philly's offensive line is. Um, and we know Frisco's got a solid D-line over there being manned by Nick Bosa and company. Um and, man, we got 62 rushing yards from Jalen Hurts last week in a game where they were just giving it to the Falcons all day long. Um, so he really didn't even need to throw or uh, run, uh, pardon me. But, man, if he starts getting pressured by this D-line of Frisco, I really think that we might see a lot more scrambling from Hurts. I mean, I don't think it's out of the question to get, you know, close to 100 rushing yards here. And if he does that, nothing else is going to really matter with how he throws the ball. But he did look like a different quarterback last week throwing – you know, I think he had like a 77% completion percentage. He had Devontae Smith out there showing what kind of a stud he is. Jalen Rager looked a lot better than we saw last year. So if Jalen Hurts is going to take that next step as a passer, I think he's like a Kyler Murray-like kind of player that we're targeting week in, week out. So, yeah, I for sure love uh, Jalen Hurts in this spot as well. Yep. So moving over to running back, we mentioned at the top that this position's absolutely loaded this week. Um, so up at the top, we have Christian McCaffrey. He's 9,900. He's absolutely in play. We mentioned, uh, last week that if he's under 11 K, he's going to be in play no matter who he's playing against in this spot. Um, you know, he's, he's projecting for about 25 points, um, at 9.9 K at home. But the problem is the implied total. They only have 20, they only expect to score about 20 points in this spot. They're against the saints. We know the saints run defense is extremely, extremely good. Uh, they only allowed 3.0 yards per carry last week. They, they ranked first DVOA um, through one week of play. So we know the touches are going to be there for McCaffrey. He had 30 touches last week. He had nine targets, 187 total yards. You know, he, absolute stuff. We know he's a three-down-plus goal line back. He's probably going to get eight or nine targets in this spot. But, um, you know, he's in play. Probably not where I'm going unless some kind of crazy value opens up here at the end of the week. Probably not where I'm leaning. Dalvin Cook is also up there at 9,100, taking on Arizona. 
You know, he's gonna he's a three on plus goal line back. He's probably gonna get 20, 25 touches. Um, probably a little bit expensive. Uh, you know, Arizona only allowed 3.5 yards per carry last week uh, to Derrick Henry. So probably not the best spot for Dalvin as well. Um, you know, only with a 23.8 implied total and as a three and a half point dog, just not the best spot for a running back. Typically when our running backs be at home and favored. Um, any thoughts on those top two guys? Yeah, I mean, they're going to be weak or in play every single week. Um, this week, because there are a lot of lower priced guys at running back uh, and not as much value at receiver and other positions. Um, I don't think guys like Cook and McCaffrey need to be prioritized this week. Um, so they're, they're, of course, always going to be viable. But, you know, with McCaffrey getting a tick up, anytime he's under 10K, he should be, you know, thought of as, as a, a very, very strong cash play. Just not sure if we need it here. Uh, I don't know if he's going to fit the build that I'm going for either. Uh, and the same for Dalvin Cook. Um, the guy I like more than them is Alvin Kamara at 8,800. Partially because he is the cheapest of those three big bell cows. Um, but also I expect this game script to be a little bit better for the Saints. I mean, they just completely torched the Packers last week. And, you know, when Jameis only drops back for 20 attempts, you know, Kamara still saw four targets. It's still a 20% target share. Um, so when you look at it that way, not that bad. He had a 22.8% team target share last year, which is the highest among all running backs. Um, you know, this team is just lacking any kind of relevant pass catchers. Callaway led, laid an egg last week. Um, you know, Deontay Harris, Jawan Johnson, Adam Troutman. Like, these just – they're just guys, man. Like, this really is the Kamara show. Theoretically, he should be seeing A-plus targets every week until Michael Thomas is back, maybe even after that, if the Saints are actually trying to win games. Uh, he still has elite red zone usage, you know. I mean, if he's one of the most likely backs to score in any given week. Um, and, yeah, I expect that the Panthers will give a better showing than the Packers did last week. You know, Donald didn't look bad last week. He's got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and, you know, Terrace Marshall, and, of course, Christian McCaffrey. So, uh, assuming that they can just not just show up and lay an egg the way the Packers did, I think that, you know, Kamara's game script will be a little bit better. We'll see a little bit more of an uptick in the receiving work and, at a, you know, a little bit of a discount at 8,800 from, you know, Cook and McCaffrey. I think that he is, for me, going to fit my builds better than those other two. Yeah, I'm right there with you on Kamara. So coming down the salary spectrum here a little bit, I'm going to talk about Austin Eckler. So he's 7,300. He's at home. They, the Chargers have a 29.5 implied total, the three-and-a-half point favorite. So he checks those boxes. He's at home, massive total, favored. That's that's an elite game environment in and of itself right there. And then you add on um, that he ended up having four opportunities inside the 10. I mean, that's, that is absolutely massive. Um, so he had 15 touches. He played on 58% of snaps. Now he was coming off a hamstring injury that kept him hampered uh, throughout practice throughout the week. Um, but that should be behind him. I haven't checked on the injury report just yet, um, but that should be behind him. He played 58% of snaps. I would expect that to bounce up to probably closer to 65, 70%. Um, he had 15 touches, did not have a target. This is Austin freaking Eckler. He had no targets. I, I expect this to completely reverse, but I think the biggest thing about week one is that he had uh, two carries inside the five-yard line. 
he had two carries inside the five-yard line all year last year in 2020. And then he has two in week one. So I think he might have a stranglehold on the goal line role. And if that sticks, Austin Eckler is going to absolutely smash this year. And especially this week here against Dallas. Um, I think he's a total, total smash. We know he's going to get the targets. He's not going to go every week with zero targets. You got to be kidding me. He's probably going to project for more to five to six targets uh, with upside for more. We've seen games with Eckler having double digit targets. So I think if he has the goal line role, I am confident that the targets will come back at 7,300. This sounds to me like it's going to be a three down plus goal line back in the best game environment on the slate. And he's a great talent. I, I think it's hard to fade Austin Eckler here. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, if he gets that, that red zone work that, you know, last week suggested he may get, then, I mean, he will be the closest thing that we, that we had to Alvin Kamara this year. Uh, he really profiles as the same type of player now. Um, and yeah, we, like we said before, you just need to have pieces from this game. It's 55 and a half total, and it's only Thursday. Started out at 52 on Monday. Like by the time we get to Sunday, I wouldn't be surprised the way the public's betting this if we get up to 56 and a half, 57. Like people are just eating this game up. And I think that you're really going to be in trouble if you don't have at least a couple pieces from this game in your cash lineups this week. Um, so, yeah, it, <laughs> this is such a smash spot for Eckler. Like, I think this is going to be a back-and-forth shootout. Um, like I said with Dak, I think despite how good the Chargers' defense has looked, I really expect Dak and company to really just come out and do the same thing they did last week. And I just show how elite of an offense that is. Like, Dak is so good, Lamb and Cooper, and, like, man, I can't wait for this game. I cannot wait for this game. Um, Absolutely. So going going down in salary a little bit more, I'll talk about Chris Carson at 6,100. Man, this is another game that should be so much fun. They're taking on uh, Tennessee Titans. Uh, this game's got a 53.5 combined total, and Seattle actually has a total of 30, which is just massive. They're six-point home favorites, and this game's the second-highest total on the slate right now. Those things combined add up to a great spot for Carson. Um, one thing I think is slipping under the rug this week, and I don't know if other people have talked about it, but Car Chris Carson played 78% of the snaps last week, six highest of all running backs on the week. Last year's and weeks one through seven before he got hurt, he was averaging – he played 48% of the snaps for the Seahawks. Carlos Hyde and Travis Homer played 32% and 23% of the snaps respectively during that, that span. Um, and then, you know, Carson, a bunch of people, unfortunately, he missed weeks eight through 11. But when he came back, weeks 12 through 17, his role did not change. He played 53% of the snaps to Hyde's 36% and Rashad Penny's 20%. This week, uh, I said that Carson only played, he played 78% of the snaps. Rashad Penny was second in the running back room, and he only played 13% of the snaps and then ultimately got hurt. And he's likely to be out for a few weeks uh, as a result. So we know Carson, how good Carson is. And if he's seeing, you know, 20 to 25 percent more of a snap rate with an already locked in goal line role and a locked in pass catching role, he's going to be really, really good this year. Um, he saw 3.8 targets per game last year on just 50 percent of the snaps. So, I mean, you give him somewhere between 70, you know, 75% on the season. Like, where does that end up 
where does she end up falling in, t- in terms of that target uh, role? So, man, this game, they have the highest team total on the slate. 30 points is just massive. He's involved at the goal line. He's involved on third downs. Rashad Penny's hurt. Um, the Seahawks, man, th- this offense is going to be fun again. And, you know, Tennessee – they're right there with Dallas. I mean, they just got cremated by Arizona last week. So it's another game with Chris Carson at 6.1K. It's just far too cheap for his projected role. And I think he makes a terrific cash play this week. Yeah, I mean, a three-down-plus goal line back as a home favorite with a massive implied total, uh, That's just, it's so hard to get away from. Uh, yeah, Carson's an absolute awesome, awesome play. There's also two other running backs that are direct pivots off of Carson. If you feel some need to fade him, um, Najee Harris at 6,300, another um, every down back. When I say every down, I mean literally every single down. He played 100% of the snaps. That is just like not – that, that is so rare to find a running back and play 100% of the snaps, especially one that says talented as Najee Harris. And come out of Alabama, he was a top um, – a top, five, a top fifth percentile um, prospect in my model coming out of Alabama. Um, but at 6,300 at home against the Raiders, 26 implied total, five and a half point favorites, going to play literally 100% of the snaps. There's a three down plus goal line back. He had four opportunities inside the 10 last week. Um, he had 17 touches and three targets. Uh, he ran a route on 86% of Big Ben's dropbacks. That was first among all running backs. So um, this is the best usage you can find in the NFL. The problem is, is their offensive line is so, so bad. Um, you know, at least the Raiders run defense is a little forgiving. They allowed 4.7 yards per carry to the Ravens backs. And that's Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray. So um, Tyson Williams is kind of unproven and Latavius Murray is total dust. So this, this is a bad run defense that they're facing. I mean, everything lines up. Najee Harris is going to project for an absolute boatload of points, and it's going to be hard to fade him at 6,300. Yeah, he's getting Chris McCaffrey level. He's taking on the bills they've got a pretty solid defense um the raiders their defense is not anything to be scared of i think the steelers are going to be able to move the ball a lot better than they did last week um i expect Najee to you know hopefully get in the box here he'll see the receiving work he sees every red zone touch he sees every backfield touch you know behind him you got benny snell there was rumors that he could get cut i think anthony mcfarland's on ir so he is literally going to be on the field for minimum 95% of the snaps, uh, unless he gets hurt. So, yeah, I mean, there's just so many running backs on this slate that we feel good about uh, point per dollar. And, you know, it's really going to be critical to make sure we, you know, click the right guys and slot them into our lineup because I think with – and we'll talk about it here in a minute. It seems like receiver is fairly straightforward and there's a lot of ambiguity at running back this week. So – you know, we really got to focus on, you know, finding these spots that are going to help us in our cash games.
Uh, one of the other running backs I kind of want to mention. So it's, to me, there's two other guys that are in play here. And it's Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon had 33 touches in week one. I mean, just absolutely massive. He had 33 touches, four targets, uh, 150 yards from scrimmage. Um, he's, he's a total bell cow, played 78% of snaps, total bell cow. Um, the problem is it's, you know, the Bengals, they have a shitty offensive line. They have a 21 implied total and they're two and a half point dogs to Andy Dalton, Chicago bears. So, uh, not great, not a great game environment, but his usage is absolutely elite and he's seven K. So he's right up there with Eckler. I think I prefer Eckler just for the game environment, but Mixon is absolutely in play. And then the last guy that we want to mention is Zeke. And so Zeke looked, uh, you know, watch him out there. He looked a little slow. He looked a little dust. Uh, I cannot lie about that. I drafted him our season long league, but he looked a little dusty. Um, but, you know, the matchup was terrible against Tampa Bay. We know Zeke is a three down plus goal line back. He played 83% of the snaps. We know Tony Pollard's going to be on the field a little bit, but it's not that Tony Pollard takes away from Zeke. It's just that Tony Pollard gets some touches in his own right because they're on the field a lot together. Um, and so this is the nut spot, nut game environment. They are three and a half point dogs, but a 26 implied total. It's a massive, massive total. Great game environment here against the Chargers. Um, Playing 83% of the snaps, we know he's going to get all the goal line work. Um, the Chargers allowed 4.7 yards per carry last week. Um, I, it's just too cheap for someone that's going to play 83% of the snaps and get goal line work in an elite game environment. Um, so Zeke is right there with Najee and Carson squarely in play. So it's going to be hard, like we mentioned at the top, this side from between these guys, but um, we're going to keep working through it here. Uh, as we get to the end of the week. Yeah, there are so I, – I don't think I can remember a time when there was this many running backs in play. They're all discounted. They seem like outside of Camara, Cook. And I, if I had to rank them right now, I literally don't even know if I could. Uh, I don't even know if we mentioned Nick Chubb. Like, he's in a smash spot as well. Uh, I think David Montgomery also suits up well against the crappy Cincinnati defense. Like, there are so many guys we can roll out right now. Um, I think I'll try to rank them here. I think my favorite is probably Carson at his price and then probably Eckler and maybe Kamara third. Um, but, man, it's really, really tough. And I'm sure I'll be changing the more I look at stuff, the more I'll change my mind about who I want to play. So it's going to be make or break this week. You know, we got to get these running backs right, especially this week, because a lot of people are going to be playing the same receivers. Yeah. Um, But moving on to receiver, I'll just start off with a guy who I just think is a complete lock. Like he's just jammed in my lineup. I don't care. I'm not pivoting off this. And that's Keenan Allen at 7K. Shocker, it's another guy from this Dallas and Chargers game. Um, man, Keenan Allen is such such an alpha. He just gets elite usage every single week. Last year, he has had a 26.7% target share. He averaged 10.4 targets a game, and he had a 26.3% red zone target share as well. Last week, we saw that his role has not changed a single bit. He had 13 targets on a 28% team target share. And he saw a whopping four red zone targets. That is just such, such, such elite usage. He had a 0.64 whopper. That's nice. Now, 
we get him in the best possible matchup that I can imagine. Um, we saw Brady and company just completely shred Dallas last week. I completely expect Justin Herbert to do the same thing. Uh, like I said previously, this Dallas defense is just unspeakably bad. They cannot stop anything. Um, last season, Dallas gave up the fourth most points to opposing wide receivers, an average of uh, 42 points a game. They gave up 52 points a game uh, last week. Um, so, like, I ask you, like, who's stopping Keenan Allen on this team? Like, I think it's going to be a total shootout, a complete smash spot. You need to have parts of this game, and I think Keenan Allen is just a cash lock for me at 7K. I'm, I'm in lockstep with you. Keenan Allen is the best play of the slate. Uh, there is no getting away from Keenan Allen in this spot at 7K. I expect him to be over 50% in double-ups. If he's not, man, there's something just wrong with people. Um, there's just something wrong with people if, if he's not. He's an absolute smash. There's nothing uh, in this spot to take me off of him. Um, a guy that I absolutely love, too, is, is Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is way too cheap. He's 6K. He played – he ran a route on 100% of Matt Stafford's dropbacks. He absolutely smashed. He had 26.8 uh, DraftKings points in that game against the Bears because he had that long bomb. He ended up having 10 targets for 108 yards. Um, he ended up getting an end zone target, and uh, he ended up having a .79 weighted opportunity rating. And all weighted opportunity rating is it's a combination of air yard share um, – and uh, target market share. So 0.79 is a really solid number. It's actually second on the slate among all wide receivers. Um, and now it's taking on an Indianapolis defense that just got absolutely owned by Russell Wilson and allowed 13.8 yards per target to opposing wide receivers. Obviously, that's going to regress. Um, you know, league average usually sits around 8.7. But, uh, I mean, this, this is an awesome, awesome spot for Cooper Cup. Um, he's an every-down player, 6K. 26 implied total. Uh, I, I can't get away from Cooper Cup either. I mean, he is an awesome, awesome value, way too cheap. Yeah, I'm in lockstep again with you there. It seems like all the Rams are just too cheap. You know, Robert Woods is 5'7, Darrell Henderson's 5'7, Tyler Higby, I think it's 4'1. Like this offense with Matt Stafford is going to be so much fun as long as they stay healthy. Yeah. Um, they just completely walloped. You know, Chicago last week. Cooper got a 6K. Like, what is he doing down there? DraftKings. Like, what, we get our shit together here? I like, yeah. uh, could not agree more. Like, he's such a smash uh, smash play this week. And I, I expect that he'll be right there at Keenan Allen in popularity right uh, from what I'm seeing in cash this week. So, uh, moving on, I'll talk about Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. Um, Amari Cooper's at 6.8K, Lamb at 6.4K. It's another two guys from this Dallas and L.A. game. And it's another spot where, like, Cooper and Lamb, for their, their um, projected volume, is just way too cheap. Um, you pick your poison here. Last week against the Bucks, Gallup uh, left that game with an injury. He's going to be out for a few weeks. So we should see Cedric Wilson step directly into that role. Um, and Lamb Cooper just going to see such – the volume is, is actually comical to talk about. Like Cooper last week, 16 targets, 28% target share, three red zone targets, 37% red zone target share, 0.66 Whopper. CD Lamb, 15 targets, 26.3% target share, two red zone targets, that's 25% red zone target share, and a 0.7 Whopper. 
Um, I mentioned last about Dak last week, he threw 50 plus times. Um, Herbert and company, they're going to show up and shred this Dallas defense. I would be shocked if Herbert does not have a hell of a game. So, you know what? That means Dak's probably going to have to drop back 45 plus times again. On 25 or on 45 dropbacks. Um, and we assume, you know, Lamb and Cooper both see 25% of the targets. That's 11 targets a piece with only 45 dropbacks. Who's to say that, you know, they don't approach 50 or 55 dropbacks again. So there's more room for growth there. I think that one of, of CD or Cooper is probably going to go off every single week. If not both of them, if they're going to see this type of volume. Um, and honest to God, I know that, you know, Cedric Wilson at 3,100, you're going to chat about him in a minute. He is going to be very, very chalky and rightfully so. But I do not have a problem slotting Cooper or Lamb and Wilson in my cash line of this week because I just love this game so much. Uh, I, I think Cooper or Lamb or both are going to smash. Lamb is probably the safer bet in my book because we know Cooper can be a disappearing act at times. Lamb is also criminally priced at 6400 Like, that is just – that is such a bad price on him. Like he should be 7K right there with Keenan Allen. Um, so yeah, you pick your poison here. I probably prefer Lamb a little bit due to the price. Um, but yeah, just another couple guys in this game that are just suit up for for massive spots. Oh, I, I I love it. I love it. I think I slightly prefer Lamb um, just because he's he's younger. I, I think he's. Um, uh, a talent that's on the rise and we don't exactly know what his ceiling is yet. Yeah. And I think his, I think right now he's about as good as Amari Cooper. I think that as lamb continues to develop, I think he could become a lot better than Amari Cooper. Um, but so I also want to mention, yeah. So we, you mentioned at the top. So uh, Cedric Wilson, 3,100, th- this is another game environment thing. He's 3,100 and he's going to be out there for basically every um route for Dak Prescott in this elite game environment. Um now he after Gallup left because Gallup is out this week and he left about halfway through last week's game. After Gallup left, Cedric Wilson ran a route on 85% of Dak Prescott's dropbacks. So that's a really solid number and it's 3100 and it's an elite game environment. I don't really care how good or bad you think Cedric Wilson is, that kind of opportunity is extremely hard to pass up at 3,100. That's, that's basically the play that that's the play. I mean, that's what are your thoughts on Cedric Wilson? Yeah, personally, I think unless we get a Justin Fields start at 5k, uh, Cedric Wilson's essentially a lock in my opinion, just the role he's going to play and, and, you know, the best game environment on the week at 3.1k, he's going to play the Michael Gallup role to a T. He's going to be out there for all the snaps. He's going to run all the routes. Um, so it's hard not to play a guy like that at 3.1K with, like I just said, Dak's probably going to have to drop back 45, 50 times. And, like, I, if he drops back 50 times, say Cedric Wilson gets a 10% target share. Like that's five targets of 3.1k like that's not bad at all and there's obvious room for for more than that so like 3.1k he's the best value on the week and i think you just you just play him 
Yeah, he allows you to get up to these high-priced running backs uh, that you kind of want to get up to. Yeah, and the last guy I'll mention at receiver, I'm not sure if you have anyone else, but I'll just quickly mention Emmanuel Sanders because he's 4,000. Uh, and what I saw from his role he was very, very enticing. So he was out there for 92% of the snaps. Um, that is just really, really good. Um, so he played the exact same snap count as Stephon Diggs. He played more than Peasley, significantly more than Gabe Davis. He only played 50.5% of the snaps. Uh, but the thing about Emmanuel Sanders is, so he had 149 air yards, which is really, really good on eight targets. Eight targets is really, really solid. And he had an eight out of 18.6. So he's getting very, very high value down the field targets with Josh Allen. Um, and I think that he could be in store here at 4K for a little bit of positive regression in terms of his air yards. Um, he only had four, four catches for 52 yards last week. Um, so at 4K, I think you can do a lot worse than slotting him in there as another value play. Uh, if you want to have a different build and you want to go Wilson and Sanders, or if you want to get off of Cedric Wilson and throw Sanders in there, I think that he suits up pretty well. Yeah, and it's in a great game environment. I expect that game to be uh, the Buffalo-Miami game to be one of the fastest-paced games on the slate. And we know Josh Allen loves his sling. We talked about but at the top that we love Josh Allen this week. So, yeah, I'm absolutely in on Emmanuel Sanders. The last guy I want to mention at wide receiver before we move on to tight end is Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase, we know he's an absolutely elite prospect, was drafted fifth overall by the Cincinnati Bengals uh, back in April. Coming out of LSU, he ended up sitting out 2019, but he outproduced Justin Jefferson in uh, – or no, sorry, he sat out 2020. In 2019, he outproduced Justin Jefferson with his now quarterback, Joe Burrow. So um, he has that rapport with Joe Burrow. He led the Cincinnati Bengals uh, wide receivers in routes run. Um, he ran a route on 94% of Joe Burrow's dropbacks. He was on the field for 89% of his snaps week one. Uh, he ended up having seven targets for 99 yards and a touchdown. Um, and now he's taking on a Chicago defense where their cornerbacks are absolute shit. They cannot stop the pass. They allowed 12.4 yards per attempt uh, in week one to the Rams. They allowed that deep ball to Cooper Cup. Um, I don't know how you let Cooper Cup run past you. He's not very fast. He's not going to – he's not He's not a burner. You know, he's not K.J. Hamler out there. He's not Tyreek Hill running past anybody. Um He's more quick than he is fast. So, um, uh, Jamar Chase is going to absolutely shred this defense. He's 5K. He had a .77 weight opportunity rating. Um, I believe that's got to be top five on this slate. That's really a solid number. Um, so, Jamar Chase, absolute beast. He had a 16.3 A dot. So, like, he, the kind of targets he's getting are these high-value, juicy targets uh he's way too talented to be 5k he's an awesome value yeah he led their team air yards by mile two 51.8 percent of the air yard share this is ridiculous you mentioned the 0.77 weighted opportunity it's ridiculous you know 27 percent target share and he's cheaper than higgins i think that every week i'm probably just going to prefer whoever's cheaper between him and t higgins and this week it happens to be chase he has no business being 5K after what we saw last week. And I don't know if you saw Burroughs' press conference when he sat down and said, oh, I thought he was dropping everything. Like, Burrow clearly loves Jamar Chase. They have that connection from college. Like, 
the fact that people thought that the best receiver prospect since Amari Cooper just forgot to catch the football is just uh, amazing to me. Like that's just talk about galaxy brain, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, five K. He's just under. He's just too cheap, and I agree. He's probably going to shred the Chicago defense. Yeah. So moving over to tight end, uh, I, this play is to me so close to a lock, and at tight end. It's very rarely locks. We last week we thought it was Kyle Pitts. What do you do? He had like seven points. So take this with a grain of salt. But I love Tyler Higby this week. He's forty one hundred, taking on Indianapolis. David, the Rams have a twenty six implied total. The biggest reason I love Tyler Higby, he literally played every snap. He played every single snap. He ran around on ninety three percent of Matt Stafford dropbacks week one. That's third among all tight ends. Uh, and so at 4,100, he's the ninth highest priced tight end on the slate. So he has elite usage. He ended up having six targets for 68 yards. He ended up getting an end zone target. And I was taking on Indianapolis, which um, just got absolutely owned again um, by – who the hell they play week one? Oh, that's right. It was Seattle. Got absolutely owned by Seattle tight ends uh, and gave up 11.4 yards per target to Gerald Everett um, and Will Disley. So uh, I, I Tyler Higby's he's an every down tight end now. There's no more Joe Everett behind him. There's no one else there. Johnny Munt isn't getting any snaps. This is Tyler Higby's role. This is his job in the offense. He's going to play 100 percent of snaps. This is 4100. This is elite usage, um, and I love him at this price. Yep, I'm locked up with you again. Um, I think there are two very clear. Plays a tight end. Higby is, is one of them. This is the Higby that we were hoping we were going to get last year. Yeah. Coming off the end of the 2019 season where he was just smashing yep. uh, whenever it was out. And he's looking like a serious value. I love Higby coming into drafts. Um, and, man, if he's going to play 100% of the snaps on that offense, he is just going to be sexy every single week. And he really could challenge me a top five tight end this year. Um and don't forget what he did at the end of that 2019 season. Remember that run that he had? He was better he was, than Kelsey. He was ridiculous. He, he was, was ridiculous. the best tight end in the NFL during that like five game stretch. So when he's been given the opportunity in the past, he's absolutely smashed. I, I if he does what he did last week, he went uh, what do you five? He went five for 68. So I, I think that yep. if he does that shit again um, at 4100, that's a smash. Uh, and yeah. he, he has upside for so much more. So I'm in on tight end. Like if, if you can get any kind of like relevant production at tight end, that's enough. Like I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but at tight end, you're hard pressed to find a guy who's going to get you double digit fantasy points. So just being able to rely on a guy like King, who's out there for every single snap on a top five offense with a great quarterback. Like, it's just very, very valuable. And at 4.1K, he just makes up for a great play. The other guy I really like tight end this week is Noah Fant. 4.2K. Uh, what I'm seeing from Fant this week, the Broncos have a 25 and a quarter implied team total. That's fine. But, like, the matchup is just so good. The Jags absolutely stink. Like, they just got dog-walked by the Texans last week. Like, how do you let the Texans score 30 points on you? Like, with Tyrod Taylor and, like, Fox, they give Mark King 26 carries and they won a football game. Like, 
Like, what year is this? Duty is out for the next four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Um, he was looking like the go-to target last week. I think he said he saw seven targets before going down. Uh, Noah Fent ended up leading the team last week with eight targets. He went six receptions for 62 yards. Pretty solid. Uh, to 22.8% target share. Two red zone targets as well. Also very, very solid. Uh, Albert O did end up playing about 55% of the snaps, but they ran 12 personnel a good bit. Um, I believe that Fant played 77%, yeah, 77.2% of the snaps. So uh, that doesn't really bother me too much. Uh, Albert O did ultimately get the touchdown, but like I said, Fant did have two red zone targets. Um, Fant actually had four more targets than anyone else on the team outside of Jerry Judy. We know what kind of talent and athlete Noah Fant is he's an absolute elite athlete this is his third year we look for these 30 year tight ends to break out uh he had the fifth highest weighted opportunity at the position last week and man just at 4.2k say he does get an uptick in his role with with the Judy injury you know it's no guarantee that it's just going to go straight to Tim Patrick or, or KJ Hamler Portland Sutton didn't show too much last week, though I do expect him to be the team's wide receiver one while Judy is gone. Uh, but, yeah, if we get another eight targets or so from Fant against this absolutely disgustingly bad Jags defense, uh, I think Fant is a really, really strong play at 4.2K. Oh, absolutely. I'm in. I, I, I prefer Higby at 41, but if Higby wasn't on this slate, I would definitely be playing Noah Fant. Um, yeah, and so we always talk about liking to pay down. If you need to punt it off, there's a couple guys down here, um, and I'll list these guys off. So Tyler Conklin, 3,200, Minnesota taking on Arizona, um, you know, 23.8 implied total. You know, it's okay. It's not great, um, but he did play 71% of the snaps, you know, having um, four targets for 41 yards. So, you know, at 3,200, it's okay. Tyler Conklin – you know he's going to be out there for the majority of the snaps. Chris Herndon really hasn't um, – I don't think he was active last week. Um, so, it, it's Tyler Conklin's offense uh, as far as tight ends go with Minnesota. And then uh, Adam Troutman. So, he's 3K. Uh, he's taken on the Saints. 24 implied total, so a little bit better. He played 82% of the snaps. Um, ended up having six targets. Had a .6 weighted opportunity rating. It's actually pretty solid, um, you know, given the fact that – um, how many times in the Orleans throw last week? I don't think they threw 20. much at all. 20 times, yeah. 20. So he had 20 attempts. Yeah, so he had six targets on 20 attempts. That's a 30% target share. Uh, at 3K, I mean, 30% target share, that's like, that's absolutely elite. I'm not saying he's like some elite player. I mean, a 30% target share is like DeAndre Hopkins level, um, you know, Devontae Adams level shit. So that's definitely going to regress. Um, as they throw more, it's just a small sample thing, but, um, you know, we like Troutman coming out of college. Um, so at three K, the only thing you really have to worry about with Troutman is the red zone usage because Juwan Johnson came in twice, um, in the red zone and scored two touchdowns. So this is, you know, typically with these punt tight ends, we like to have touchdown upside. I'm not sure if Troutman is going to have touchdown upside, but he's at least going to get you a few targets um, down at 3K. So he's a fine punt option. He's going to project pretty well uh, point per dollar wise, but touchdown upside is kind of limited there. 
Um, I prefer to get up 1100 bucks. 1100 bucks is not hard to find on this slate. Um, and you should be able to get up to Tyler Higby or Noah fan. Yep, I agree. I think between the two, it would be Conklin for me just because I think he has a more defined role. Yeah. Uh, I did look it up while you were talking. Uh, Herndon ended up playing like 14% of the snaps. Um, but I think that uh, I don't really see that changing too much this week. I still think Conklin's going to be the guy there for the season. Um, like I said last week, he's been pretty solid at the end of the year last year while uh, Kyle Rudolph was out as the 1B. Um, four targets last week, like he was fine last week. If you punted it off with him, you liked it better than if you played Kyle Pitts. So, mm-hmm. uh, and same thing with Adam Troutman, like a 3K, probably not going to expect six targets again. But with the uptick in passing volume, like hopefully, you know, if Jameis drops back, you know, 30, 35 times, even if you get like five targets from a 3K tight end, like you're going to be happy with that. Like it's what you want from a punt. It's not what the tight end gives you. It's what it allows you to pay up for in the rest of your lineup. So the opportunity cost of paying down a tight end, because of what I said previously, you're, we're just so devoid of, of any kind of production from the majority of the position, unless you're paying up for guys like Kelsey and Waller, um, you know, maybe Hawkinson. Like, unless you're paying up for those guys, I don't see most weeks a point in, in messing around with this mid-range. Now, this week, when you got guys like Fant and Higby who are in the low 4Ks, that's a different story. But, you know, as the season moves on, you're probably going to see both of us punt tight end more and more as, you know, DraftKings figures out the roles of these guys and whatnot, we see prices uh, kind of level off. So for me, for my money, if we're going to punt tight end, I think I would prefer Conklin. Um, but that's just me. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I think Conklin's a slightly better play just for touchdown upside. Um, I just think Jawan Johnson probably slides in uh, near the end zone. So closing this thing up, I kind of just want to mention strategy-wise. At, at each position, I'm going to kind of run down just very quickly what we look for each position. So at the quarterback position, we look for uh, a high implied total. We look for quarterbacks that can run. That's like one of the most important things. We need our quarterback. When they can run for 40 or 50 yards, just gives them such a nice floor and gives them access to a monster ceiling that these quarterbacks like Tom Brady um, and Matt Stafford just cannot access because they don't, they don't move. They don't score rushing touchdowns. They don't, um, they just don't run. So we want quarterbacks that can move. So I mentioned Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, these guys that can move. Dak, when he doesn't have a busted leg at running back, we want running backs who are three down plus goal line backs playing more than 70% of the snaps. They have a role at the goal line. We know they're going to get targets. Um, at least four targets. You can't. You just cannot play these running backs who are going to get two, maybe three targets. Um, that's what kind of pushes you away from Nick Chubb. But Nick Chubb is still an awesome play this week because the matchup and just the game environment of being a massive home favorite um, by 12 and a half points. You know Chubb's probably going to score maybe, maybe once, uh, possibly once, probably twice. I mean, the guy's an absolute beast. Um, so he's – I mean – He's an absolute best running back in the NFL. Yeah, and he really is. Uh, talent-wise, I think he is the best pure runner in the NFL. So, anyway, running back, one three-down plus goal line backs. Guys are going to get 20-plus touches that are home favorites. Um, the running backs in that way, Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, um, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Zeke, Mixon, all of these guys, total bell cows. Um, I think I list them this week 
in the order of how I like them, I think I like Chris Carson, Eckler, Najee Harris, and Zeke. I think those are my four favorite running backs at, you know, point per dollar um, price considered. Um, and then Nick Chubb will slot in behind them and Joe Mixon behind him. Um, at wide receiver, we're looking for wide receivers that are first going to be running a ton of routes. We don't want wide receivers that aren't going to be running routes at all. Um, you know, Robert Woods this past week here in week one, he only ran a route on like 65% of dropbacks. Kind of odd to see that given the fact that Cooper Cup ran a route on 100%. So um, weird usage. Van Jefferson actually ran more routes than Robert Woods. I'm not really sure what's going on with that. I didn't hear that Robert Woods is hurt. So there might be a role change coming for Robert Woods. I don't know. Um, it's odd because he's really a talented wide receiver. But we want to make sure our, our wide receivers are running a route on at least 80% of dropbacks. Um, and all the guys we mentioned uh, this week will be doing that. So you're looking at guys that are in solid matchups, going to be getting at least six targets. You can't be having these guys that are running a route on like 40% dropbacks and getting like two targets and they're both deep bombs. Um yeah, it's just, it's just not the kind of way that we want to be playing. And then at tight end, again, same thing. We're going to be having guys that can run a lot of routes, um, get high-value targets near the end zone. We want guys who are getting a solid uh, red zone and end zone market share of targets. Um, and got, and typically, like uh, Scott mentioned, we're looking to punt it off for the most part. But just kind of want to mention the overall strategy and cash games of what we're looking at each position to maximize our floor and give ourselves access to a solid ceiling uh, in the event that we run into the nuts. But with that, any, any other uh, closing thoughts you have on this slate? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think through my windmill play here. While I'm doing that, I completely agree with everything you said. Our strategy, like our process, we try to keep that identi identical week in every a weekend, week out. We don't want to sway from our process. We know what what works. We know what the smart process is. Um, and, you know, you have to stick through and just have faith that your process is going to win out and hopefully we'll have a great season. We're one now. We survived an event last week, hoping to be two and a half. Um, you know, if we lose, we lose, but the process, we're going to continue just marching on. Um, windmill play, man, it's tough. Um, typically like my windmill to be a wide receiver. Yeah. I really think it could be Emmanuel Sanders. Like I, if, if he gets another seven or eight targets and Josh Allen, you know, takes, uh, has a better game than he did last week. I mean, that air yard market share is really tasty at 4K. I'm probably going to have a lot of Sanders and GPPs. Um, so I'll go Emmanuel Sanders. I think he'll have, you know, five for 100 and a tutty. That's okay. Yeah. In general, like my, my windmills to be wide receivers as well. I think our favorite windmill that we had that one uh, last year was Odell Beckham. It's his total windmill. Oh, yeah. Total smash. Uh, that was the best windmill play. I think, and typically we want guys that are lower owned. I, it's hard to really find these guys. Um, but I, I, to me, I oh, think oh, that. Uh, does it have to be a cash play? Does no, it have no, to be a cash play? No, no. Oh, then, then, then the answer is Mike Evans. Mike Evans is exploded. Yeah, I already bet the over on his prop. Like, DraftKings set his line at 53.5, and they set uh, Antonio Brown's at like 64 and a half, and Chris Godwin at 68 and a half. I'm like, what? Like these guys are all pretty similar wide receivers. Like they're all 
pretty much on the same plane. Mike Evans, a future Hall of Famer, is setting his line at 53 and a half yards just because he got shut down week one. Like, come on. We know he bounces back after he has no, bad games. Exactly. If you look historically on when he comes off of that game, he explodes almost every single time. Like, and I'm not saying the guy's going to go out and score three touchdowns, but I do think 100 yards and two touchdowns is within his uh, range of outcomes. And I, like, I'm going to play a lot of him as well. Mike Evans is never really going to be a cash play. Um, but a 6.1K, like, he should, like, all these receivers in the 6K range are just really cheap. And I think he's really going to explode against this awful Falcons defense. Yeah. I, I think my windmill is going to be Josh Allen. I'm really trying to prioritize him in cash games this week. I think people might – I don't know. I think people might potentially be off him just because recency bias. They see what he did last week. They're like, oh, he's kind of reverting to the old Josh Allen. He can't play. Um, his completion percentage, blah, blah, all this garbage. Um, I think it was a really rough matchup for him. I think he, he comes out and absolutely slings against Miami. He's beat the hell out of them in the past. Uh, and I think he puts a 40-burger on um, – on Miami this week. So Josh Allen's my windmill play. I think he runs for a couple of touchdowns and, uh, and absolutely smashes this week. So with that, that's going to do it for episode 27 of the print fest DFS podcast week two. Good luck everybody. And we'll be back on Monday night, breaking down how we did and lessons learned that we can move forward with heading into week three until then. Good luck, everybody.